This podcast is sponsored by FHE Health and their Shatterproof Program for First Responders. On the night of March 26, 2001, a taxi cab traveling at over 100 miles per hour crashed into the rear of my next guest's patrol car. Upon impact, his car burst into flames, trapping him inside. Officer Schechterly of the Phoenix Police Department survived. And he is here to talk about resiliency, strength, and courage. He is one of the most humble, loving, and grateful people I have ever met. You think you have problems? Listen to Jason Schechterly. He will inspire and motivate you. Next on the CJ Evolution Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. You know, I am so excited to have this next gentleman on the show. Uh, he, he's, he goes all around the country. He talks to, to people. He tells his story. He motivates. He inspires. He was on the show a couple of years ago, and I know he's very, very busy. Uh, and I am so happy and blessed and honored to have my next guest, Jason Schechterly, back on the show. Jason, how you doing, brother? I couldn't be better, man. I really appreciate you letting me back on. I love your show. I love what you're doing, and I'm honored to be here. Well, I appreciate it, man. I mean, um, for those of you who out there who, I mean, Jason, you're very popular. You go out and speak, and you meet just so many people. But for those listeners out there who don't know who Jason Schechterly is, who, who's Jason? What's your what's your story, brother? What's your backstory? Uh, oh, I was going to say, if you just ask who's Jason, you know, I'm a, a husband and extremely proud father yeah. of three, uh, extremely proud, uh, retired Phoenix police officer, injured in the line of duty, obviously, uh, great life, great career now with public speaking. But the backstory is yeah, I joined the Air Force out of college, or I'm sorry, out of high school. Uh, I say college because I tried it for six months and I was like, yeah, this ain't for me. So <laughs> this ain't going very far. Uh Need a little structure and discipline, joined uh, the Air Force and was awesome. You know, very proud of those years that did what I wanted it to do. Came home, uh, got married and had a couple of kids and life was was going along pretty good. I ended up with a, a pretty good career with uh, one of our electrical utility companies out here. You know, I was making a, a really good salary in the 90s at a young age. And then we had... You know, I live in the big city. Phoenix is now the fifth largest city in the country. Wow. Fifth largest? Fifth largest. Mean, in the, wow. Yeah, you know, I did not it, know that. Dude, it's grown like just leaps and bounds the last 20 years. It's definitely not the town I grew up in. But <laughs> um, we we had an incident uh, back in March of 99 where uh, an officer named Mark Axon was shot and killed. And I... I can't really explain why it was Mark and why it was his critical incident, but it was life-changing. It was an aha moment. And, uh, you know, you know how it is. Hey, when it's a calling, you'll, you'll figure it out when, when yeah. you figure it out. And yeah. that was when I did. So um, went and applied with the city of Phoenix and, you know, I'm very proud, you know, nowadays you can't, you can't even get people to apply for the job or, yeah. or it's difficult. Right. And I remember back then it was, you go into the downtown Phoenix convention center, Packed. thousand thousand people and they're hiring 20 yeah so i you know i was very proud that i made it through the process and first graduating class of 2000 uh again 
incredibly proud. And ironically, uh, two years to the day after Mark Axon was killed on his anniversary, you know, I went to work that day, still pretty young patrol officer, still trying to figure figure my way through things that, you know, I, I'm convinced it takes a good five to seven oh, years. I would agree. To, to really know what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I had a year and a half. So in the in, in our world, that's five minutes, you know. Um, but I went to work that day, and I still remember I had an extra sense of duty, an extra sense of pride because of the date. And I even left briefing and ignored policy and procedure. I didn't go 10-8. I drove all the way out to the spot where Mark was shot and killed. I spent some time at his memorial marker and, you know, I'm making the sign of the cross and I'm thanking him and just talking to him. And, uh, again, life, but life could have been better. And I got back in my car. I was like, let's go, let's hit the streets. And went through a pretty quiet day. You know, we worked 10 hour shifts here. I went through about eight and a half of them <laughs> and I was on my way to an emergency call, uh, a dead body call. And, Running code three, lights and siren pulled up to a very busy part of Phoenix. Uh, one of the freeway overpasses, you know, just, you know, there's six lanes, both directions. <laughs> yeah. The freeway on and off ramps, there, there's a lot going on. And uh, I had a red light. So, you know, I stopped briefly to make sure that people would yield to my emergency vehicle. And, you know, what does it take? A second and a half to clear an intersection? No biggie. And right as I was going to proceed, I got hit from behind by a taxi cab guy was uh, having an epileptic seizure doing 115 miles an hour. And then to make a, to make a long story long, I, uh, you know, I was knocked out. Thank God, which uh, there's, there's so many things that saved my life, but one of them was being knocked unconscious and not, not being in that chaos and that fear and Mm -hmm. uh, yelling and screaming and, and sucking in all that hot air, you know, I was, I was calm. I was, my breathing was very shallow. Uh, and then I was propelled through the intersection 270 feet and came to stop 50 feet from a fire truck. Just luck, miracle, twist. Oh, wow. However, however your audience likes to define something that crazy. Um, and these people to their credit, um, you know, let's not forget they're human beings and they were not dispatched to this call. They pulled up to an intersection and the world literally flew up in front of them and it changed their lives as well. You know, and they went to work for me, got me out of the car in 90 seconds, got me to the, uh, I'm going to tell you the best burn center in the country at Maricopa County hospital in less than eight minutes. I mean, critical incidents. You ever heard of that time? I mean, from impact to emergency room, eight minutes. Wow. Crazy. So I had suffered burns, obviously, 43% of my body. I was not expected to survive. I was put into a medically induced coma, woke up two and a half months later, blind, lost half my fingers to amputation, lost over 60 pounds, completely atrophied, laying, laying on my back in bed, and uh, an unimaginable nightmare. It's just everybody I talked to, you know, my wife was the one who was with me when I woke up. So it started with her, but then it'd be my best friend. Then it'd be my dad. Then it'd be the doctor. And it just, it was just nonstop, just kept piling on to uh, the, the nightmare. And, 
everywhere I looked, somebody was taking my shattered puzzle and just throwing it a little farther away (laughs) as I tried to figure out what was going on and I was going to put it back together. So that is, uh, uh, again, that's a long story long, but that's, that's my background. How I came to be the Jason I am today. Thank you for sharing brother. And, and I know you had over, you've what, 50, 50 surgeries. Um, I don't know if it's more. Yeah, uh, currently at 57. 57 surgeries. and No, 57, yeah. I, and I'm sure you get this question, Jason, and, and I, I'm sure you do. But what, what kept you going in those dark periods where you, you wake up, you, 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 know, you, you wake up, you're like, okay, I don't have some of my fingers. I'm burned 40% of my body. I can't see. I mean, a lot of people... I mean, how do you get through that? I mean, how, how, I mean, you have to, what, what's the internal fortitude that, that, that kept you going, you know, because a lot of people, brother, you know, you speak to a ton of people. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people could handle that. They would be like, yeah. screw it. I'm giving up. I'm not doing this. Yeah. Uh, well, trust me, had a couple of those days. Well, I'm sure um, you did. You know, the, the beauty about that question and I, I don't often get, get asked in a, in a way that I can, I can share with an audience like this. Uh, people just, you know, they see my presentation, they just take it for granted. Like, uh, wow, he's got a good attitude and he's courageous and strong. I could never do that. And that could not be farther from the truth. I am incredibly vulnerable. Uh, my high level of fear, anxiety, the amount of tears I've shed, the anger that I have kept in the anger that I've expressed toward love. I mean, I'm just a human being, right? I'm just normal like all of us. But this is something that I think about all the time to this day, because now we're uh, more than two decades out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And you're right. It's still a, a lifelong battle. It's a lifelong recovery when you go through a burn injury like this. But most of us out there have something, at least one thing that is kind of going to define the remainder of our days. Mm -hmm. So when I look back, it's an interesting dynamic where it's true that they say hindsight's 2020 things Mm -hmm. have come more in focus, but the problem with time, well, actually the good thing about time is it tend to make, tends to make you forget more of the bad and you feel and remember more than good. So There's a lot of those periods that I made it through that I might not remember some of the hours or some of the days. But, you know, I remember for me, uh, even though it was an unimaginable nightmare to wake up to this, my biggest fear in life always was fire. And then to find out I'm blind, most claustrophobic, terrifying thing ever. Uh, I've got two kids at the time that I've basically, you know, I was thinking at the time I've destroyed their lives and who am I to do that to my kids? So the overwhelming guilt, you know, I wasn't really, I don't look at it as self blame. It was just the self awareness that, Hey, you know, you made a lot of choices and, and ended up here and your kids didn't ask for this. So I was dealing with that. I've lost my job at the time I thought. And so I had all these, yeah, it, it was, and I can tell you, I was crying every day oh, absolutely. for a long time. I was, 
uh, I would yell and cuss at people that loved me, even if they dared walk into my room. I mean, it was, it was bad, but I always had for some reason, a blanket of gratitude that I was still alive. Yeah. Like, okay, you know what? It would have been real easy. It would have been real easy to die that night. Well, it could I, have been easy to, to turn to drugs or alcohol or, you know what I mean? I mean, go down yeah, that I'll, rabbit hole. That stuff. But well, and you know, here, here's things like, here's one of the things I give my wife huge credit for. Right. So you got to remember, this is in the days before the crazy opioid crisis. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Back then, if I wanted 100 Percocets, the doctor would be like, here, <laughs> here's a yeah. script for 100 Percocets. I have a very addictive personality, okay? Yeah. And whenever I would have a surgery, whenever I go through anything, I was allowed to take whatever medication for three days, and then my wife would take it away from me. Wow. And I give her a lot of credit for that because everything that I went through, the last thing I wanted to do was get addicted to uh, pain prescription yeah. pain meds and the dark road. So it, it was, you know, that's a big thing. But in my world, it was, it's like little things like that that just kept me on track. And then I, I, I took accountability instead of, even though, you know, I have a thousand page police report, right? And on every page, what does it say? Victim, Jason Schechterly. You know what? Outside of the, moment of impact in our lives outside of the traumatic event outside of that one or two or five seconds you're not a victim unless you choose to be yeah and seeing yourself as a victim or blaming somebody else those are the two things that will hold you back more than anything so when i was able to have some accountability and go back over so many years of my life right you know giving up college, joined the military, only doing four years, not becoming a cop until I was moved to do so by the death of another one. Like I made a lot of choices over probably 10 years. And I chose to believe that's what got me into the fire. It wasn't mm. just some unlucky, bad moment that a guy ran into me. And that accountability was a really strong foundation with which to, you know, be like, all right, I've hit rock bottom in, in all these other areas, but I cannot go farther than this. I can go sideways if I want to, sure. but otherwise, otherwise I could go straight up. And that's how I started to rebuild because I was still a husband. I, yeah. my wife did stuck by me. I was still a father. Then 18 months later became a father for the third time. Wow. And bro, you talk about perspective. Yeah. This is a, Life is incredible, right? Yeah, it is. Exper experiencing life is awesome. Here is somebody who shouldn't even exist, but he does, and he gets to live this life. And now I look at what he's doing at 21 years old, and it's like, you know what? Hands down, it was worth it. Look yeah. at this. So yeah. I just kept having moments like that. And they'd be sporadic, right? Sometimes it'd be six months apart, a year apart. And you, you fight your battles in between, but as long as you're getting uh, to a place where you can take a step up. And so that's how I developed. It's it's a great way to put it. That's how I developed my resiliency. Wow. That's how I developed my 
grit and my attitude because it did not come natural. It did not come overnight. Yeah. It has taken a long time. And to be fair, I still stumble and fail miserably all the time. Well, we all, we all do, Jason. I mean, we all do. Uh, the, 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 I think the key is, and you know this because you're a strong person, is that when we fail, which is part of life, we either can wallow in our pity, blame other people, or we can, all right, accept it. We can, okay, this is the, the shit pile that I'm in, whatever you want to call it. And I can either stay here. I can, I can, I can go up. But I love what you said, brother, about, I mean, it sounds like you had, you had a good foundation. I, I think that's huge. You know, no, I tell is. people, Definitely. I tell people, look who, you, you know, look who you're surrounding yourself with. If everybody around you is negative and everything sucks, that's how you're going to be. I love what your wife did. And I know you did, you know, when she's taking away the pills, you're not getting anymore. I mean, that's a strong woman right there. That's right. You're you know? right. And I think that's key to I love it. The key, there was a big key. I know you know it. Key building block to your resiliency. You could have had the exact opposite and somebody that placated to you and oh, I'm going to do this. You don't have to do anything. And yeah, you know, you know what I mean? But holding you accountable is what she did. You know that. And exactly. Not letting you give up. That's and right. I, and to be fair, to be fair to all the loved ones out there, because I'm convinced hands down, it's easier to go through something than watch somebody you love go go through it because it's kind of helpless but listen for for as strong as she was for as what a solid rock she still is she tells stories about me when i was trying to feed myself or yeah. or when i was in pain and couldn't take medicine and she'd go in the bedroom and fold laundry and just be sobbing yeah. because she felt guilty and had the question, am I, am I doing this right? We didn't know. There's no freaking book yeah. or manual for it. So, again, when you talk about the strength and the the all this stuff that helps you, don't forget that mixed in there is a lot of vulnerability and weakness. And that that's what makes, that's what causes the, the strength. So, it's okay to have that. And I don't want people to ever lose sight of, uh, you know, they, they might picture me up here, dude, it's freaking fluctuates peaks, valley, peaks, valleys. It's I'm on a bungee cord all the time. I mean, it, I'm no different than anybody else. And, um, that's what your audience for what, whatever they're going through needs to realize. And real quick, you, you brought up something I think is important. Um, yeah, whatever shit pile you're in, whatever you're feeling, obviously, the end result, you want to get past it. You want to yeah. overcome it. But I think a big part of why people don't overcome things is because they, they'll they hide it, they'll shy away, they'll push it to the back. Well, listen, that that's just like putting a pack of hungry, dog, hungry dogs behind you and not feeding them. And mm -hmm. what do they do? They get more hungry. They get more ravenous. You can't, you have to feel what you're feeling and you have to go through it right now yeah. or you won't get, get to the other side. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree, brother. And what I tell people too is, because I think we all go through periods of, I, I, I you know, I, I effed this up in, in the past and I should have made this choice and I should have done this. And 
I should have, whatever. We could have, should have, could have, would have all day long. And then a lot of people, at least I talked to, and I'm sure you've experienced, now they, they, that's their identity. They think that's who they are with all the mistakes. They, that's not who you are. You Every day when you yeah. wake up, you have a chance to start a new path. But so many people, at least I talk to, not all of them, but a good chunk of them think, well, I screwed up in the past and um, that's, that's who I am now. I'm a loser. That's not the case. You have you have a chance now to 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 chart well, your own path. Well, I'll tell you what. If anything else that you're uh, that you're hearing, uh, anything else your listeners are listening to, I'm telling you, write this down right now because I, this is something that I have had to to live by and has probably been my biggest struggle, and that is no amount of guilt is going to change the past and no amount of anxiety is going to prevent the future. Yeah. I love that. And I have, I I have dealt, I have dealt with both of those at the highest levels. I imagine. Yes. I can't imagine. It's the plain and simple truth. You know, I, I can't do anything about the past and we yeah we we wallow in our guilt and i've done it man i'll tell you what i've done bad and then the anxiety about the future i i have it all the time so uh i always read that read that quote and i think about it i'm like all right let's just be in the moment right now i'm nowhere else i'm not who i was years ago and i have no idea who i am five years from now but i can have a goal of making whoever that guy is proud of who i am today so Absolutely. Let's work toward that. I think one of the one of the things, and I don't know if you heard this uh, before or if you saw it, uh, Jason, but I saw this about a year ago. Some guest, I can't remember his name. He was on Rogan's podcast. The one thing I still remember, it was I think he was like a Navy SEAL or something, and they were talking about the afterlife and heaven and hell. And this guy told Rogan, he said, "You know what I think hell is? When I die, I meet I I my." person I died as meets the person I could have been in wow. hell. And it's like, wow. holy shit. When you think about that, you know, I mean, that's hell. That's, that, that's, that's hell, cool. you know, knowing yeah, that you could have been this and now you, you, you didn't take a chance. You didn't get the treatment. You didn't, you know, whatever. But I was like, damn, that's, that's powerful. powerful. No, it is. Well, yeah, it, it makes you think. Wouldn't you much rather get into heaven and just have somebody give you a big high five and be like, "Come, well, welcome in." No, that's, yeah, welcome in. That's, but I love. That's, yeah, you're. Exactly I gotta your... find. I gotta listen to that. I listen to Rogan all the time. I gotta listen to that. Yeah, you gotta, gotta find, find it. I can send you a link. I can't remember, but it was that's... he was talking about my my hell, and that's what he, his definition of hell was: dying and then meeting the person you could have been. Dude, that's. That that's that's good. That's and, yeah, like, you made a good, and you made a good point, brother. I mean, we all go through gonna, shit. We all go through well, things, but it's like you can't wallow there because it just robs your happiness of being worrying about shit you have no control over. It yep. just robs your happiness today. And I'm not talking about living in a bubble yep. and everything's rainbows and lollipops. No, you're going to have your bad days, but to stay in that pissed off state all the time, man, it's. Well, you got to remember, you know, I, this is where I get harsh with people sometimes. All this stuff we're talking about, that actually is a choice. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm not, I, at some point, I'm not going to feel sorry anymore. If you're going to choose to do this, you know, I'm not going to disrespect you. If that's the way you want to live, 
But listen, that kind of toxicity. And you got to also remember, here's something else I tried. I didn't do so good like the first year, maybe even two years. But something I try to remember like today is don't bleed on people who didn't cut you. I love so that. So if something hurts you in the past, if somebody hurts you mentally, spiritually, physically, mostly doesn't matter. And for you to turn around and take that out on your peers, your departments, your whatever workforce, your spouse, your kids. Oh my, for God's sakes, like don't bleed on people who didn't cut yeah. you. And that's how, that's a powerful thing to think about yeah. because they, they damn sure don't deserve the blame. Well, and you, you know, first responders, sometimes you got, you got to be direct with them. Jason, oh. you know that. And I go a step and I, I I'm direct with them too, especially working in behavioral health now. And what I tell them is, and, and, and you know, and, and I try not to be an ass about it, but I tell people, look, nobody is coming to save you. That's right. Nobody is going to swoop in and solve all your problems. It's, right. it doesn't work that way. It's like, you know, the movie I say, you know, it's like the matrix, you know, what is, what does Morpheus tell Neo? Hey, there's the door but you got to walk through it and people have all the tools that God has given them. You just got to dig for them to save yourself. Do you need help along the way? Do you need to talk to people? Do you need encouragement? Do you need love and all? Absolutely. But in the end, nobody's coming for oh, yeah. you. You got to yes, do it you yourself. Do. Hell yes, you do. And I do. Well, and I love that you have that attitude because I think I don't care. how. So I'm 51 years old now and I don't care how old we get. You know, I look at my, my wife's a school teacher, right? And uh, I see how her kids are. Like, they they just love her. And, uh, but my wife's a, a no-nonsense. She's a hard-ass, <laughs> right? And, um, but, but I remember, I always remember, you know what? Kids, kids thrive on uh, discipline. Yeah. They, they, they see that as a form of love. And I think it's a great thing for guys like me and you to realize, I don't, I don't think we've changed that much. So getting in somebody's face once in a while, giving them a little Tough harsh love. Mark talking to, it does. It comes across as love because you're still trying to be there for them. You're helping them. You're supporting them. You're not casting them aside. So I think that's a great I – lo I love how you said that because uh, I'm still the same way. Like, dude, listen, if I get out of the line and you want to get in my face, I guarantee you it, it, it'll straighten me up. That's yeah. I, like I, I, I find that nurturing. Well, so I'm I the don't same way. I'm the same way, Jason. Look, I can, if I if I can give it out, I have to be able to take it. And I can if I F up. I want Jason. <laughs> Jason, Pat, what the hell are you doing, man? Come on, get your ass in line. And I'm like, I'm humble when it comes like that. I'm like, nobody wants to yeah. get talked to. But I, hey. I need to get checked every once in a while. <laughs> well, yeah, you got to have it every once in a while. You can't just <laughs> cruise through doing whatever you want, acting whatever you want, saying whatever you want. Well, well somebody's got to stand up and say, uh, no. <laughs> Jason, you are amazing, my friend. You are such an inspiration, a motivation. Uh, yeah, I just love talking to you. I could talk to you all day. Um, people, I, I know I can, I'm going to post uh, just for the listeners. Everything will be in the show notes. Jason, is there anything you want to talk about? Website, anything, speaking engagements, they can all go to your site, I'm assuming? 
Yeah, I'm doing, yeah, go to BernieShield.com. Uh, I have a book and, uh, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm a terrible self-promoter, but the book came out in 2014. So I've lived 10 more years, written 10 more years worth of chapters and adversity and stuff. But my big thing is I love to get out there, uh, do a lot of speaking engagements. Uh, and uh, I love to do, you know, law enforcement, especially with what's right now you know, from the yeah. politics to the media. And, you know, I think the pendulum is going to swing. I want to get through to these, the newer generation and realize, Hey, you know, in 20 years when you guys are, are cheats and, and whatever, and you're getting ready to retire, you're going to be a reason why uh, everybody loves us again. And that's a powerful thing. Yeah. So uh, just, yeah, go to the website, check out my, if you can figure out how to spell my last name, I'm pretty active on Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, I'm really easy to get a hold of. I don't have a, I don't have an entourage. I answer all my own emails. I, uh, I answer all my direct messages. So anybody ever wants to talk one-on-one, I mean, especially, uh, and, and I'm talking any first responder. Yeah, yeah. If there's something going on, if you don't want to share it with somebody else, but you could share it with a stranger. I, I'll be that stranger. So yeah. Give it to me. I, I would love to talk to you. So yeah. um, I just appreciate you letting me be on here. Absolutely, and, uh, brother. Hey, and I was going to tell you, and Jason, for the listeners, is going to be down in Florida in, in August, right, Jason? Uh, August 19th, I'll be Lee County. Uh, it's in Bonita Springs. And like I told you, I still have to Google search. I don't know where Bonita Springs well, is. Well, I was going to say, brother, I'd love for you at some point down the road to, to come to Florida and come and, and visit Chatterproof and tour and, you know, talk to the I'd community. Yeah. I would love to have you. Oh yeah. I'd love to do it, man. Well, you, you're not going to have a hard time getting me to come to Florida. I mean, are you kidding me? It's like, it's not, like, not like you're telling me you go to Buffalo in February. I, uh, I think I can, I think I can manage that one. So, well, uh, God bless you, man. And uh, stay strong, brother. Be safe. And uh, hey, thank you for everything you're doing as well, CJ. That's freaking awesome. I love it. I love it. Awesome. And I, but because it's not me, I have great guests like you come on, brother. Well, I appreciate you and uh, wish you all the luck in the world down there. And hopefully, we'll talk again soon. All right, brother. God bless.